Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31. I invite you to follow along in your pew Bibles or on the screens or in a posture that allows you to listen and listen well. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say... Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, All rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But, strive for the greater gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. May God have blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you join me in prayer? God, help us to see ourselves as part of this body. Individually, yet members 
nonetheless. Speak through me in spite of me so that we might all experience something holy, something good, and something true. Amen. One of my childhood ministers says, the problems whenever ministers tell stories about their wives that they author end up being the the goat, the greatest of all time, or the goat. And so I just warn you that this is a goat story. I'll let you decide which one. One time at a church that I was serving before this congregation, it came time for our church custodian to retire. We'll call him Eddie for purposes of, protect, of protection. And because this was a small church, Eddie was also a member. And he'd worked for far longer than he should have and probably could have if he wasn't working for his church because he had some memory problems which both affected his quality and quantity of work. And again, because it was a small church, Eddie was married to the moderator of the board and president of the congregation, who we'll call Betty. And eventually, aging in place wasn't an option for Eddie and Betty anymore. And so they decided that they needed to move and be closer to their children and to leave behind their lifelong home and lifelong church. They announced his resignation from church staff and her resignation from the church board and informed us of when their last Sunday in worship would be. And the Sunday came and our worship service included at the end the small ceremony of farewell and Godspeed. Now what's important to know is that this church is a bit of an outlier in that we have good music. And this congregation, like many disciples' churches, had so many gifts and talents for their community. But singing was not what we would call their forte. (laughs) Nevertheless, the the pinnacle of this ceremony, this probably 10-minute ceremony, included one of the better singers in the congregation who fancied himself to be a crooner, coming along with his boombox and putting it on the pulpit and pressing play on his cassette of Friends Are Friends From Ever with backing vocals because the cassette couldn't play from the sound system in the back. And as I listened to friends are friends forever, I remember thinking, what are we doing here? (laughs) Old people are moving. A janitor's retiring and we want to roll out the red carpet in the eight-track salute? Is all this extra really necessary? It would seem that everything wrong with churches in the 24th century is their schmaltzy sentimentality. I mean, can you imagine a business halting work for a day so that we could celebrate the janitor? Or the school having an all-student, all-staff, all-faculty assembly because the president of the PTA is stepping down? Or more to the point, did the big, slick, growing church down the street, the one that could afford a real band and someone in the back who knew how to get a song off the internet, would they be doing this? No, no, no. They would not. They would never. But, They might if Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, were their manager or principal or pastor. We're about halfway through our worship series, Lucky Break, New Life After Failure. And relatedly, we are in the second of of three weeks in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. 1 Corinthians is one of Paul's best books. It's one of my favorites in the entire Bible. You should read it. You should read all of it. You should read it two or three times. 
But it's helpful for us in this moment, this little section, as we contemplate what are some of the lucky breaks we get. Because Paul is writing to a church that is failing. But, despite their present day failures, Paul sees that new life is possible for them, and even for us too, but we have to pay attention first. I mentioned some of this in my sermon last week, and so if it's redundant, just kind of turn the set off for a minute. Or if you would like more information on some of this really quickly, you can check out last week's sermon on YouTube if you miss worship, or uh, on our sermon podcast, wherever podcasts are found on your smart devices. But this week, I'll simply say that the church in Corinth, which is where we get Corinthians, is very diverse in class and experience, and as best we can tell, is a place where real dissension has entered because they are now divided along lines of spiritual gifts. Namely, that those who have certain spiritual gifts are seen as better, shinier, cooler than other believers because these fancy spiritual gifts make them demonstrably better followers of Jesus, right? Look at how awesome their gift is. And in the first part of chapter 12, Paul begins refuting this notion directly. In verses 1 through 11, Paul makes the bold claim that the Holy Spirit is within everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord. And the same Holy Spirit equips all Christians, not just some, with spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are for the benefit of all, not just some. And definitely not for the benefit of the person who possesses the gift, no matter how cool or shiny or special it may seem, because it is a tool for the betterment of the community, not for the elevation or achievement of one. And this point is driven even further today when we read the second half of this chapter. It's not just for the benefit of each other. It's that we need each other. In today's scripture, Paul begins with a bit of a joke, comparing sight and sound and imagining bodies that are all eyes or all ears. And we don't often think of the Bible as being funny, but it is okay to laugh if you ever read this passage again. Paul is trying to show just how ridiculous this whole discussion about differences can be if we don't recognize that we need something beyond our own selves to survive, much less thrive. Which is probably what we need to be reminded of too. God didn't make us to be fully independent, which is one of the hardest lessons for we Christians who are also Americans. We have a strong sense of self-reliance that goes back to our unique uh, American philosophy. Think of Ralph Waldo Emerson. You probably had to read him sometime in an English class way back there. But that is a pretty thick line of culture for us, that we are independent. But God... but. Paul is telling us something different about the way that Paul, that God has made the world, and that's that we are interdependent. Individuals who cannot do it alone, but need others, and are also needed by others. And we need to be reminded of this because we are always forgetting this truth. The church in Corinth forgets it, and the church of today forgets it too. There are three ways that I see Just thinking about the past week that we have forgotten, we need one another. The first is, we fail to understand we need one another in our political discourse. And that's about all I'm going to say about that. Because you know it's true. We are so dehumanizing to one another that it is affecting every part of our common life for the worse. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is an election year. Welcome to 2022. So it's going to ramp up even more. 
The second way that we fail to understand that we need one another is in our friendships. I'm going to get in the weeds here for a moment, but follow along. It's worth it. The Survey Center for American Life has reported their results of the May 2021 American Perspective Survey. And it had bad news for the state of friendship in the United States. 49% of Americans have three or fewer close friends. In 1990, that number was 27%, which means that it's doubled in the last 32 years, this rate of having few friends. But even more alarming is that 12%, 12% report having no close friends, which is a quadrupling from 3% in 1990. And what's worse about this is you already have, you, have, you know, uh, what is that together? Somebody that's better at math. That is 61% of people have three to zero close friends. But at the same time, this uh, survey was asking about satisfaction. And if the number of friends you have, the more likely you are to be satisfied with the number of friends. The folks who don't have very many close friends typically want more. And those who report having 10 or more close friends reported having the highest satisfaction with their friends, with their number of friends. Altogether, this means two things. Basically, one, the majority of us in this room, on statistical average, have fewer close friends than you can count on one hand that has fingers missing from a firecracker accident. And at the same time, the majority of us in this room, by statistical average, wish that reality were different and that they had more close friends. And you would think it would be so easy to build friendships given how connected we are in the year of our Lord 2022, but it would seem that it is not the case. After all, as the popular joke goes, the real miracle of Jesus of Nazareth is not everything else he did, but that he's a man in his 30s who had 12 close friends. Apparently it's not that popular of a joke. (laughs) Moral of the point, we need friends. We need friends to bounce ideas off of. We need friends who will walk with us in life's hardest moments. We need friends that help us to overcome our stumbles and failures in life and career and marriage and children. And so many of us have too few of them. A third way that we fail to understand that we need one another is how we celebrate each other or don't. Instead of celebrating or honoring one another, we instead diminish or downplay the achievements and contributions of others. And I know this one all too well. Paul talks about this directly in our scripture today, reminding me that humans are overwhelmingly the same, no matter how many centuries or technological devices separate them. Because you see, Paul, he isn't the first one to talk about the metaphor of the body as a community. This is a really common trope in ancient writings. Communities are like bodies. But normally the analogy goes more like this. Communities are like bodies. They're heads, and they're in charge, and they're the most important. And then some people are like thumbs. They're kind of ugly, but they're very useful, so we're going to keep them too. And then there are gallbladders, which are gross and full of bile and seemingly useless, and we can get rid of them at any time. 
But while Paul isn't the first to use this metaphor, he does do something new. He flips it around. He says that every part is important. You need your gallbladders too. And in fact, they should be honored more than the brains. Because no one is replaceable. Because everyone provides a unique gift. Or as he wrote in his own words in 22 to 25, on the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. Or to put it another way, you celebrate the custodian when he retires, and you remember the board moderator when she finishes her term of service, and you roll out the red carpet and you do the best you can because you acknowledge that their presence is the real present. And you accept this gift with from the heart. We quit being so mean because if anyone suffers, we all suffer. And if anyone rejoices, we all get to party. That's basically what Paul is saying. So you tell me, which goat was I? Our lucky break, my friends, is that we get to create communities of care where we both do the caring and receive the care but only, only if we will first recognize that we are all in this together. As I was talking with some friends of mine yesterday, it feels like that this isn't really the first month of a new year, that this is some kind of limbo time and February 1st feels like when it's going to start. But that's not actually the case. We're barreling forward into this time when we make new commitments and resolutions. And one of the ones I hope we will commit to is that we fix this failing. That we pretend we don't need each other. I hope that in this year we're going to do the work of being careful in how we speak about one another. Especially with those with whom we disagree. And I need this as much as anybody else. But ideally, before we post or share or slap that bumper sticker on the back of the car, we remember what it says about those that we might not agree with or even those with whom we do because we need each other. I hope that we will try harder to make new relationships and restore forgotten friendships. Even if it's the case that you feel satisfied with the number of friends that you have, remember that it is more likely than not that everyone you meet wants or even needs another friend in their life. So be a little extra. Invite someone to lunch at Hughes or to dinner at your house or to a coffee break at Iron Tree or for a drink after work. Send the cards. Make the calls. We need each other. And indeed, they need you. Let's celebrate one another together in this new year because God literally knows we need it after these long months. We need little things and big things and all things to be celebrated. Let's use every excuse in the book for cake and ice cream or helium balloons or beautiful cut flowers. Let's honor people, especially the ones that are so frequently forgotten or even dishonored. Let's roll out the red carpets. 
and remind each other that we're not just important to each other, but we are essential to each other because we need each other. And perhaps, perhaps if we will do some of these things, then our suspicious hearts of stone just might thaw a little bit. And if our hearts thaw, even if just a little bit, we might be able to follow Paul to a still more excellent way to live, a still more excellent way to overcome our failures and find new life, a still more excellent way to love Jesus. But that still more excellent way is a topic for next week. First, first we have hearts to thaw and friends to make and keep and celebrate. First, we have communities of care that we are called to create and that we must create together because we need each other. Amen. Amen.